running gold thing. San Diego Padres, I'm running gold thing. I'm running gold thing. It's never the same. Dominic and James Paz games always the same. This ain't your grandpappy's team. They changing the game. Seventh inning start the rally. They changing the game. Fernando, Tatis, going yard, hitting seats. Maya's in Machado, snatching victory from defeat. Hosman says we're nasty, now the world about to see. They call it Slam Diego, now the world about to see. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking stars. Please don't think we them same old paws, paws. Trading players and lacking a brown and gold thing. 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 San Diego Padres. What's going on, folks? Uh, welcome to the East Village Times podcast. This is episode number 150. Uh, apologies for the hiatus. It seems like that's what we do every time we do a show. It's been roughly, God, it's been over three months since we've done a show, Dominic. That's that's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah. There's been several times where we've tried to record and then like plans just like fall through. It happens. I mean, fortunately, like the last month and a half, there's been zero baseball news. Yeah. Uh, but we haven't really recorded since the Padres announced Bob Melvin made their, a couple of their free agent pickups and whatnot. So yeah, that's been a lot of, a lot of news. We're obviously not going to go into old stuff. Um, Maybe do some, you know, a little bit of talk here and there. Uh, obviously, the Padres have been in Bob Melvin, someone who's definitely comes with a high pedigree of success. Uh, Ruben Nebula is uh, signed uh, as a pitching coach, someone who comes in with, with a great reputation. Uh, hopefully, he can work with a lot of these young pitchers. Uh, Tim Bedar will be the hitting coach. It's a little bit of a surprise move, but um, what, overall, what do you think of the new coaching staff? Uh, it's it's Again, I, I'm concerned because, again, we have a new staff. We, again, we have new philosophies. It, it seems like we're still we're trying to implement this Padres way, and it's just not happening. It didn't happen with Green. It didn't happen with Tingler. Now, uh, it should happen now with Melvin, but it, essentially they're starting over. Um, give me your, your brief thoughts, if you could, Dominic. Yeah, I don't think I'm as optimistic as a lot of Padres fans are, especially on Twitter, but it seems like almost everyone that we got or that the Padres got for their coaching staff is someone that's really well respected and people who are a part of programs and I guess uh, clubhouses that have been excelling like Niebla with the Indians pitchers. Those guys have been great. Berdar with the giants hitters. Those guys had far exceeded expectations. So it's not like getting Dickerson from the, from, uh, from the Phillies, I believe. And, getting Wayne Kirby from the Orioles and like these guys from organizations that hadn't been winning. Yeah. Yeah. But they liked Machado and it obviously worked because it got Machado going. He obviously had his two best years as a Padre, but it's the Padres are more than Machado. So like seeing those guys move and bringing in other guys who might get along better with guys like Ha Sung Kim with guys like Eric Hosmer, maybe even Will Myers to get some more consistency out of those guys. I think that's, very important. And also to get Francisco Cervelli as the catching coach, someone who is like recently out of baseball, who I think could probably work a little bit more with Austin Nola, Victor Caratini, 
Jorge Alfaro and Luis Campusano. Uh, it's wild that the Padres are four guys who are like going to be capable of catching at the major league level this upcoming year, but better have options. So that way they're not playing Webster Rivas for like 40 games this year. Yes. It, I'm not as optimistic, but I feel like the moves that the Padres made, they got guys that were more respected league wide. And like, if the Padres didn't act and get some of these guys, they would have gone and got opportunities elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there was a little bit of overhaul in the 40 man roster before uh, everything shut down. Uh, the Padres signed uh, Robert Suarez, uh, Luis Garcia in the bullpen. Uh, Nick Martinez out of Japan will, will, obviously get some innings uh, at the end of the rotation. Uh, they made a trade of uh, with the Mariners, uh, trading Frazier to uh, Seattle for Ray Kerr and Corey, Corey Rozier. A uh, little bit of uh, unknown prospects, if you will, but both have uh, high upside. Uh, Kerr's a left-handed pitcher who's hitting triple digits. Um, anybody out of that group uh, stick out as possibly being – someone who Padre fans are going to be really pleased with in, in 2022? Uh, I mean, I don't think other guys are going to make an impact on this upcoming major league roster because they're both a ball players, but to get talent for Frazier, I mean, it's what stuck out to me more was the fact that the Padres traded for Adam Frazier. He was a part of the reason that the Padres just absolutely collapsed. Yeah. And then they had to trade him after only 60 games. It was frustrating, but to be able to get something back in return, I think is nice. Uh, he's Seattle's problem. Now they'll fix him and make him great because it's what they've done with just about everyone that the Padres sent them in the 2020 season. So uh, we'll see. But I mean, I, I think that both guys, the Padres got in that trade Kerr and Kerr's the outfielder, right? Kerr is the pitcher, the left-hand pitcher. Okay. He's good. And then I know the outfielder did really well in low a. Yeah, I mean, Rozier's 22, uh, put up a 1.022 OPS last year, kind of out of the blue. I believe mm-hmm. it was like a 12-round pick. Uh, left-handed hitter, showing po- promising power. It's it's interesting to see uh, that Preller, like you like you mentioned, traded for Frazier in a, in a time where they necessarily didn't need second-base help and and then kind of just just moved him right away. Um I don't know. It's it's a little bit of concerning the way things are, are are happening in that regard. But it seems like the Padres are just constantly looking for that right combination of players, and and they've they've yet to find it. Yeah, it's really tough. I mean, only only one team can win a championship. I mean, we saw this past year with the Braves. Like, it doesn't have to be the right guys, like personnel wise, but if they all mesh together and they all gel together and they're happy, they can play their best baseball. And that's what the job of the coaching staff is to do. It's to make sure everything is going well so that the players can be in the position to best succeed. And I I hope that's what these guys can do. A lot of optimism around Niebla being able to fix pitchers. Uh, Hopefully he can work with Paddock, with Weathers, with Snell to get some more consistency, Emilio Pagan, and uh, of course, Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, there's there's a lot a lot to work with with the Padres. They definitely have the talent. It's just uh, getting the results, um, folks. We have uh, Mr. Dan Zimborski with us today, senior writer of Fangrass and the Zips creator of the Zips Projection Machine. Uh, he will be joining us shortly. Uh, it's always an interesting conversation talking to Dan. Uh, you'll definitely want to stay tuned. Uh, Dan Zimborski will be right up. 
Welcome back, folks. This is episode number 150 of the East Village Times podcast. Just happy and, and pleased as punch to be joined by with Mr. Dan Zimborski, uh, kind of a tradition that we've had here at, at, our, at our podcast, uh, talking some Zips projections. He's a senior writer at Fangraphs. Uh, what is going on, Dan? How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Uh, just uh, trying to, God, just trying to stay patient, just waiting for baseball, right? Yeah, it seems like there's a wait. It's going to be a wait longer because they're at the rate they're exchanging proposals, the MLB and the MLB and the MLBPA uh, will have a, a solution, I think, maybe by in time to open up spring training in, in 2024. Yeah, right. Exactly. It's like it's like a rich person working with a contractor or something. They're just just handing in paperwork here and there, left and right. It's. It, it, it feels like something like from the Holy Roman Empire, like send this proclamation yeah. to the Duke of Brunswick. I await your reply. Yeah. In, in this day and age, you think that they could get together and actually talk to each other and exchange these proposals in, in a matter of hours instead of weeks and days. It's it's. Uh, it's frustrating. And then think of the, the frenzy that it's going to be when this is resolved and free agency opens back up and trades open back up. It's just going to be incredible. Yeah, it's it's a weird work schedule for uh, a baseball writer because I was actually starting to roll out zips right before the lockout was going to be announced. And then half of baseball signed that week. Uh, so my editor was like, Dan, can you hold on the zips? We have like 50 transactions we have to to yeah. portion out to our writers and then the same thing's going to happen we're all just kind of hanging around do, 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 and all of a sudden yeah. there's going to be like 70 things to do when it opens yeah. uh, it, so. it, it makes you it makes you wonder if some of these guys i know they're not supposed to have, conduct business but i wonder if they have a little wink and a handshake deal here and there with a couple of players and it, you, you got to think that they've got to be do, resuming some kind of business right i i i think they're being very careful yeah, uh, but I, I wouldn't put it beyond. I think that teams have ideas, but they're and players, but I, I don't think there's anything that's very concrete. Yeah, uh, it's strange time, strange world we live in right now, right? It's it's like uh, when you were a kid, did you ever play freeze tag? Yes. Like yes. you were ever like everyone's frozen and you're kind of thinking where you're going to run. You don't know exactly who's going to go where, but you have an idea. Yeah, exactly. You're going behind that car over there. Billy's exactly. not going to find you over there. <laughs> oh, strange times. Okay, Dan. Well, let, let's uh, let's get into the Zips projections. Uh, first off, educate those fans that are listening that, that don't exactly know what, what the projections are. Uh, tell us about the system and, and how you came about it, if you would, please. Uh, well, Zips is a computer projection system for baseball statistics. It's a increasingly more complicated computer projection system as we get more and more sources of data and the basis of the basics of, the, of zips are pretty simple it starts out with individual players that establishes a baseline expectation from recent seasons characteristics corrections based on Statcast data and data of a similar source uh, then it compares those players to every other player's baseline uh, in history through the database that it has uh, and then using comparing players to similar uh, a cohort of similar players, it generates out an expected curve, expected growth, decline, depending on the age with all the error bars, which are massive because predicting the future is hard. And, you know, the goal is to get a little peek into the future and you only get you only really get a little peek because predict, predicting the future is pretty hard. But we try. Yeah, de it definitely is. Zips Machines does a, a really accurate uh, job or projection of this. Um 
if you if you don't let's let's start things off talking about Mr. Fernando Tatis Jr. Mr. All Padre. I mean, uh, seven point nine is a projection on him. Uh, give us your thoughts on Tatis, and is that projection uh, factor in how many games that that he's uh, expected to play? Well, when you see the seven point nine, like on the graphic, that's there's kind of two sets of zips projections. Uh, there's the zips projections that go along with uh, the Fangraphs depth charts, which are human input. Uh, and then there's the straight up zips projections where zips doesn't really care so much about the playing time. Uh, but you know, Tatis is one of the best. There's, there's no one in baseball. You could say is clearly better than him at this point. Uh, he's one of a very few players. You can count on one hand who have a good shot of being the best player in baseball. Uh, and, and in that sense, he's kind of easy to predict because it's not like he's going to, turn into jerks and profile tomorrow or something hopefully <laughs> yeah god forbid the other way around would be superior for the padres but not that way right and the next best player you have on these zips projections is manny machado over at third base uh slightly ahead of jake cronenworth what type of year can uh padres fans expect out of manny machado because we've seen this was a second full season uh we saw it was a little bit better in 2021 than it was in 2019 yeah, I think he's about the level he's going to be at this point. He's no longer the young phenom Manny Machado. He is starting to push 30. I mean, he's a year older than Cronenworth uh, uh, at this point. Uh, I think that while he's probably not going to be one of the main, main contenders for an MVP award, although he'll probably get votes towards the back of the ballot, he's probably settling into the face of his career. He's going to be an all-star, you know, four or five, six more years. And then you'll slowly start to see some decline simply because of age. Uh, obviously, he's not the centerpiece of the offense that Tatis is, but you have Machado and Cronenworth and then I guess and probably Trent Grisham. And you have a pretty good core of about four guys that the team is kind of needs to build around, ideally. Yeah. And then the other player I just mentioned, Jake Cronenworth, uh, he's projected to have a very solid season once again, uh, to much pleasure to the Padre fans. But there are some fans who are a bit concerned, but seeing him play well at that full season in 2021 was a good sign. Do you see any reason that Jake Cronenworth could take a step back? Uh, except, you know, the normal things of regression that every great good player has essentially any above average player has kind of a skewed risk uh, curve. There's, there's, there are more things that can go wrong than can go right. Uh, like if you see a player with eight war, there are a lot more things that can turn an eight war player into a four war player than that can turn an eight war player into a 12 war player. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast, call it regression toward the mean, call it Madden curse, call it Wheaties box curse. Uh, but there's nothing specific about Cronenworth. Uh, no, he's not a young player. He's probably not going to get better at this point, but like Machado, there's no specific reason that he can't maintain this level of play uh, for, you know, the rest of his prime years. And then a couple years after uh, he still has, you know, a, a great from the position of the Padres, a great contract situation. I mean, he's four years until he's, he can hit free agency. So he's definitely in the team's long-term plans. Uh, so these, these are the things to not worry about. If if the Padres were in a position where they had to worry about Machado and Cronenworth, then that thing, then the 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 rails have already the the wheels have already come off that train so to speak interesting points about jake cronenworth who who definitely isn't a young 
uh, prospect or young player. Um, it, it seems that the, the Padres are getting the best, uh, are going to get the best from him because he is motivated to perform and, and motivated to possibly earn a, a long-term contract and, and get paid for his production. Uh, let's talk about someone who was kind of up and down uh, last year, and that's Trent Grisham. Uh, projected at a 3.9, uh, still young, still possibly could get better. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on Grisham at center field? Honestly, I I mean, he can handle the position and there's no real reason to worry about him. Yeah, he has been up and down, but you know, a lot of players are simply going to be that way, especially when they're not major stars. Now, Zips does project a better season. Uh, You look at 2020 and that was a fantastic 60 game stretch for him. I mean, over a full season, you're talking, you know, that was a a nearly a six win season. Uh, So it's it players tend to go towards their long-term averages. So I wouldn't be too worried about Grisham. Uh, Yeah. He's not a perfect player. Yeah. He's probably not going to be a superstar. He's probably less likely to make any all-star team going forward than Machado or Cronenworth is, but you know, you look at the outfield right now and he's the safe part of the outfield. So it it doesn't make sense for the Padres to worry about him. Yeah, yeah, I agree, definitely for sure. Uh, let's move on to the pitching staff. It's someone who I'm, uh, I don't, I, I don't know if concerns the word, but cautiously optimistic about Mike Clevenger in 2022. Uh, what do you see from him? How many innings do you think the Padres can realistically expect from him? Or, and obviously, you want him to be usable towards the end of the season when they possibly make the playoffs. Uh, how, how do you think the Padres will monitor his innings looking forward? Uh, I think generally speaking, uh, the Padres this year will be less conservative with how they use uh, their starting pitching simply because what we saw last year is they, they, they tried to kind of pace it out and the bullpen was worn out by July. Uh, now, Clevenger of course is coming off injury, you know, pretty serious one. Uh, but um, what we have at this point is we have a long history of, you know, of Tommy John recoveries uh-huh. that, that have been successful. Uh, I think they will be conservative with Clevenger. I, I, it depends exactly when he, he uh, hits the roster uh, because, you know, there's still, it's still open in the air exactly what the timetable is for like how long early in the season will he still be kind of on the shelf. And that's, that'll affect his inning total and his usage. I wouldn't expect really him to see over a hundred innings. I think there'll be some quick hooks, especially uh, if it's a blowout one way or the other. Uh, But I do expect quite a bit of caution with him, but I'm not really worried so much about the performance. Now, if this was, you know, a torn rotator cuff, you know, a labrum, uh, a shoulder capsule, which I've, I I still don't quite understand what that is, uh, or, you know, thoracic outlet syndrome, then I would be more concerned. But these days we, there's so much experience with pictures with, with Tommy John surgery. It's almost a rite of passage for everyone now. Yeah, right. It's it's pretty amazing how 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 they recover from from surgery that, that was so complicated back in the day. Um, when I think of the Tommy John surgery and and Clevenger already basically working his way back, I, I get frustrated that the fact that Denise Lament didn't un- undergo the knife uh, when he had the same ailment around the same time as as as, as Clevenger. But you know, I guess that's just Padre life. That's the life we live. Uh, it's always been. yeah. I. I- what makes what fascinates me about Tommy John surgery is you kind of talk about the future being, you know, printed organs. Uh, and if we get to the fu- a future where we we're printing out ligaments, uh, like <laughs> some kind of graphene, I don't know what they would make it out of, but if you get to that point 
where Tommy John surgery is 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 easy and you have you can almost in some ways make it better. One, does that count as performance enhancing? Yeah. And two, would it just be something that every team would have done ahead of time with their pictures after drafting them? Yeah. Everyone Regular goes in. Yeah, they're they're ligament upgrades. <laughs> that is certainly something that it's fascinating, really. Uh, and it's also really uh, encouraging to see that Mike Clevenger is a 3.655 and that's actually the best that Zips projects out of the big four starting pitchers. The Padres are expected to have Clevenger, Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell. Do you think there's anything that separates any of these pitchers from anything? Because when I look at the game started projected wise, Musgrove is the only one that reaches 30. You have Darvish at 26, Snell at 25, and then Clevenger obviously at 20 because I got to be safe with him. I think Musgrove, just from a health standpoint, is the least risky member of the rotation right now. And I think he kind of separated that. He was he was pretty the only starting pitcher who wasn't really a disappointment at any part of the season. Because uh, even though the, the Zips projections for the starting rotation are quite solid, for most of the pitchers in that rotation, it's just a little worse than it was last year, except for Musgrove. I, I, I think that things would have fallen apart a lot quicker if not for him last year. Yeah, I agree with that sense. And you Darvish, Blake Snell, they both kind of had down years for their terms and they kind of had a tale of two halves, both of them. You Darvish obviously better in the first half and worse in the second half. And then Blake Snell worse in the first half and then much better in the second half. Do you think that those two guys are kind of just going to find the middle ground or do you think we could see either one of those guys finding one of those two halves, what either it's good or bad. I think that at this point we have a pretty long history of Darvish and Snell. Uh, they're not unknowns in the same way that even you could say Musgrove was coming into the season. Uh, I, I don't think they're terribly risky. Uh, and in either in a breakout you know, high, low probability season, they do have the potential to, you know, challenge for a Cy Young. You, you know, Darvish and Snell have both done that in the past. Uh, but I think just because of some of the disappointments of, of 2021, you have to say, okay, they're not necessarily Cy Young contenders, but they're borderline aces, number two guys. Uh, let's just keep them healthy. And again, uh, there are things you have to worry about and things you can't. Uh, the Padres do have holes they need to address when the offseason resumes. And they're not really in a situation where they can afford to worry about Darvish and Snell. They just kind of need that to work out because there's only so much you can do. Uh, in the end of the day, you have to trust your talented players and hope that they perform up to what they can do. Uh, and that's you know what they're going to look for with, with both of them in, in 2022. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll ask about Chris Paddock because uh, I'm a big Chris Paddock believer. Uh, had a very up and down year. His ups weren't as bad as the down or his ups weren't as good as the downs were bad for him last year. W where do you see him fitting in with the Potters? Cause he also had some injuries towards the end of the year and he's also only projected to make 24 starts. Well, one of the good things about Paddock is yeah, he had a very, I mean, let's just call it a fugly ERA in, in, in 2021. And he's probably not the most, popular player of like the fan base right now. But if you look at his peripheral numbers, they weren't anywhere near that bad. They weren't amazing or anything, but there's still hope for Paddock. And I think people are just almost just a little too, 
I think they got too excited about Paddock in, in 2019 and too down on Paddock now. Uh, I think there's kind of a tendency to be over or too under excited. Uh, now, you, you can legitimately say that he's a two-pitch pitcher, and that is kind of a problem for a starting pitcher. Uh, but there are ways around it depending on how you do it. Uh, Kevin Gosman is essentially a two-pitch pitcher. But he kind of got around that after years of trying to develop different sliders and curves that never really quite uh, worked out is is Gosman started treating his changeup almost as or his splitter almost as two pitches, uh, a, a changeup against lefties and almost like a slurring it like a slider uh, against uh, righties. And that's the that's the kind of thing that you can do with more experience and you can make that pitch work for you. He does have an excellent changeup, which he can probably have more looks to it. Uh, so I'm not terribly worried about Paddock. And the nice thing about Paddock is he's not relied on to be like the third option on the team. He's, you know, somewhere between the fifth or the seventh and the seventh option, which is fine. Speaking of multiple options for the San Diego Padres, give me your thoughts on Mackenzie Gore, someone who's just, I think Padre fans have been impatient in waiting for his development. Um, give me your thoughts on Gore. It's it's kind of hard. I mean, the Padres have been looking for Gore for a long time, but he, he's had a let's just say let's just say a very up and down professional career so far. Where you like his repertoire, you like what he can do, but there's also the question of where are the Padres right now? The Padres are a team that's contending right now, and there comes a a point where you say. Is what Mackenzie Gore can bring to the Padres while we're contending more valuable than what we could get for Mackenzie Gore? Now that's that's a complicated question because it's likely that his stock has dropped around the league too. Yeah. Uh, but there is a chance that you know that his that he's most valuable to the Padres not as a Padre, but you know as a trade chip. Uh, it's just hard to wait forever for a, a prospect when you are contending right now and having to compete against the Dodgers right now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think, do you think AJ uh, Preller possibly waited a little too long if, if he was looking for a trade uh, return from Gore? Um, do you think that Gore can get the prospect status that, that was, you know, once crowned upon him? Do you think that's going to come again for him? I, I think it's very much a possibility. Uh, 2020 kind of threw a wrench into the works because if we had had a normal 2020 season uh, ar around baseball, obviously it doesn't necessarily affect Gore, but it's now we've had how two full seasons essentially since he was really dominating in the minors. And that, that is a concern. I don't think you necessarily trade him two years ago, but if, if a team still sees Gore as say a top five prospect, can you afford to turn down what a top five prospect would get in return in terms of making the team better right now? And I think given that the Padres are deep in, in starting pitching right now, uh, I think that you have to consider that. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely do have options. Uh, someone I'd love to talk about is Nick Martinez, who was signed out of Japan. Uh, someone who's, you know, was hit in 95, 96, 97 with his. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. He, he got, he, he was injured in, uh, all the years are running together. I think he was injured in 2019 or 20. Okay. Um, he came back first with the fastball and then he cut down the walks in half yeah. uh, 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 for, for SoftBag uh, in 2021. I, I, I really like the signing and yeah. they, they 
gave him, you know, a significant commitment. It isn't like he got a non-roster invitation in a one-year contract. They they expect him to be in the back of their rotation somewhere. And I think Zips has definitely likes Nick Martinez a lot more now than it liked him with the Rangers. So yeah. it's it's a very Padres-ish pickup in that it's clever if if I didn't know better, I would have, it's the kind of thing I thought like Dave Cameron would like to do. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, 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 it's, it's a solid pickup and it's, it's, it's good to see the Padres and he's not even the only one on the team uh, in, in that situation. We also, there's also Robert Suarez. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like to see the Padres. Suarez, uh, you know, lifelong player in Japan hasn't played in the States, probably an early candidate for rookie of the year talk when you're talking about a pitcher hitting triple digits and, and a plus changeup. So any, any thoughts on Suarez? I mean, he was dominating the last couple of years in Japan. Uh, he throws hard. And the thing is a lot of these hard throwers, sometimes their control is kind of meh, but his control is really solid. Yeah. I think that there's a chance, a, actually a pretty good chance that he could end up as, as the team's closer at some point during the season. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good possibility. He has the, the pedigree for it. That's for sure. Now um, writers of course might, be a little penalizing and say, well, he played in Japan. Who is, he's not really a rookie, but I, if I vote on the rookie of the year next year, I'll have no problem uh, uh, voting for a guy coming from Japan. Yeah. I mean, Ichiro won it. I mean, there, it, 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 I mean, it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. But there was um, a lot, but there was a lot of hemming and hawing. Like, is he really a rookie? Yeah. I'm yeah. like, yeah, just, he's a rookie. It's the, it means the same thing. We count triple a players as rookies too. Yeah. Right. Uh, but there is probably always it, it would depend, I think, on him getting like, like say the closer job like in June and, and closing a quick 30 or something. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's it, if he's a setup guy, it's it's kind of an uphill climb to get writers to vote a setup guy for uh, rookie of the year, no matter how good they are. Yeah, that, that is true. Um, you mentioned briefly Dave Cameron, someone, a colleague of yours at Fangraphs, who's no longer employed by the Padres. Um, have you had any communication with Dave or have you uh, spoke to him about uh, ending his relationship with San, with San Diego? I, I haven't talked with Dave. Uh, I was always kind of, I, I never tried to hit up Dave for like DM and DM or anything or, or a text message simply because uh, if I had something about the Padres, people would assume that I got it from Dave and yeah. that Dave might get blamed, even though even if I got it from someone else. Yeah. So generally speaking, when people that I know well join a team, I try not to talk to them about baseball. Uh, that obviously, you can tell from this that I'm not a reporter because any reporter would be like, "Jesus, is that why? Why would you throw away a good source?" But you know, I'm not a reporter. Uh, I, I don't need sources uh, for for things. Uh, but no, I, I haven't talked to Dave. Uh, I am curious what's next for him as, as everyone else is. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm curious to, you know, what his relationship was with the Padres. This was a, a, a troubling move. If you're a Padre fan, because uh, Dave is, is one of the best in the business and, and his evaluation of current major league players is, is pretty spot on. So it's concerning for Padre fans. Um, I'm sure he'll land on his feet somewhere. I'm sure that he'll do whatever he uh, wants to do next in, in baseball. Right. Yeah. And here's the thing. It's it, it, it does sound a lot like it was mostly he wanted to move on. Yeah. I don't want to put words in his mouth because I didn't hear this from him, but just from other people who I know have talked to him, that's the impression I get. Uh, let's just say that uh, kind of the baseball nerdy sabermetric crowd 
whenever we do something with a team, there's always kind of an awkward relationship. I've never worked full time for a team. I don't think that's a great fit for me personally, but I've sold a lot of data to teams and I've sold a lot of data to teams and and player agents who probably do not like me at all. So it, the, the relationship between a, a, a stat nerd and the team can sometimes be a little awkward. I mean, Dave went in there as a guy who thought the team's big sign in that offseason was a terrible idea. Yes. And it yes. was, yes. Uh, which I mentioned many times, which did not endear me to, let's just say, a portion of the Padre fan base at the time. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, let, let's stay on that topic because you were hinting at Eric Hosmer. I wrote an article for East Village Times. I got published yesterday about how the Padres' best move might be to hold on to him because he's going to have to have like such. I know, I know, I know. Just, it, I made it very clear that it's not because like I believe that he's going to be good. Uh, it's because his contract is so bad and that the Padres need to trade him this year before he gets five and or 10 and five rights. And it was like, should the Padres just hold on to him and see if the new coaching staff can uh, help fix his swing and help fix his fielding? What do you make of that whole situation? Because like, obviously in a vacuum, if you could just trade him away easily, it's a no brainer decision, but it's not. So what do you make of the situation? Yeah, I'd love to trade for him, but I think with the status of the universal DH up in the air, it, it doesn't make sense really to let him go unless you have a great deal. Like if someone says, We'll just like if the Royals call up and the Royals said, we'd love to have him back. We'll just take him. You don't have to give us a prospect. Yeah. You, yeah. You should fall over yourself for that deal. (laughs) But if they say, Hey, you know, we'll take Eric Hosmer off your hands, but we're going to need, we're going to need something in this trade in order for you to obtain a lack of Eric Hosmer. We need to obtain like Mackenzie Gore. Yeah, I, I don't think I would I, I, I would not do that. Uh, and unless you're getting bowled over by a trade, it makes sense to hang on to him for now, just as long as there's this realization in the organization that he's not the solution at first and they need to find a replacement. But right now with the universal DH, it, it, it could be a thing. It might not. Who knows? Uh, but the team already arguably has holes at first and both corner outfield positions. And you add DA to that mix. You just might need Hosmer just to cover a position uh, because yeah. you don't know how the, uh, the off season is going to go. It's not like someone can say, Oh, just, just get a CJ crone, but you know, there's only one CJ crone available and he's gone with these resigned with the Rockies. Uh, you can't just go to the store and, and just, choose to buy a league average first baseman, they actually have to be available in free agency. Uh, so you probably hang on to him for now. Just don't get the idea that he's going to be the centerpiece of your team or a good part of the starting lineup. Yeah. If you're the Padres, do you think it's more important to uh, get rid of Hosmer and not eat any money or get rid of Hosmer and not give up any prospects of relevancy? I think the most important thing is just what, Hosmer is a sunk cost right now. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Apart from this, you could you don't lose any more money by releasing him than by not trading him. Uh, it just comes down to what is the most advantageous for the team, because there's always a chance that someone wants to do kind of a problem contract swap. And maybe the problem player there is someone that the Padres think they could do more with. Uh, but Hosmer already had that 
percentage of a season, and you know, in 2020, where he wasn't just driving everything into the ground, and he was rewarded for it by his best stats in years. And if that didn't keep that change in approach up, I don't know what will at this point. I yeah. mean, he went back in 2021 to his his usual offense, which is essentially slow Willie Mays Hayes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, man, it's, it's, it's frustrating, but I, I want to go on the record as, as saying that I fully expect Eric Cosmer to have a career year somewhere else uh, in the coming seasons. I, I, that's just how it works for San Diego Padres. Well, you know what? Uh, then, then you just say, God bless him. He has, he, he got his, he got a happy ending. We're happy that we have X person at first base yeah. because you, you remember Willie Mays Hayes said that he ran Mike Mays and, 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 and ran like, he hit, he hit like, he hit like Mays and ran like Hayes. I think it was. Well, Hosmer hits like Hayes and runs like Hayes. Vaughn Hayes. Now. Yeah. That's the name out of the past right there. Uh, I don't think Dominic quite knows who Vaughn Hayes was, but I'm a uh, Gen Xer. There's all sorts of eighties references when you talk to me and I love them, man. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, the last podcast I did, they got me to sing the song, the, the theme, the growing pain. So nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, show me that smile again. I'm not going to do it again. That would be a repeat, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well you, got, you got to sing uh, the, the theme song to Alf or something better. <laughs> well, there, there are a lot. You, you don't have great theme songs anymore. No, I think, I think the closest thing, it wasn't really a song. The only recent uh, musical theme to opening, open a TV show that comes to mind in recent years are uh uh parks and rec you know and that's not really a song that's instrumental and the kind of the 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 schmaltzy stock music that they use at the opening of it's always sunny in philadelphia but again they're not lyrics though right they're not songs you 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 know Stand in my way like a long lost friend. You you don't know who's gonna stand tall on the wings of their dreams. Exactly. I, mean, I hear Chili's is using a, <laughs> the Cheers the Cheers uh, theme song in their ads now. <laughs> oh, that that makes me mad. You can't you can't repurpose. <laughs> if you if you watch enough TV, you'll see a Chili's ad. Uh, and 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 there and, and the Cheers song song is just uh is up in there. But you know it is what it is. Uh, Cause most young folks like Mr. Stern over here don't even know what cheers is. <laughs> no, I don't. You were, that whole conversation was like a foreign language to me <laughs> over, over his head. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just more in one ear out the other, but uh, I suppose we should get back to uh, some pottery questions. And I figure I'd stick with the other big contract that the potters have that uh, hasn't exactly lived up to it. Uh, in a way, Will Myers he had a 1.4 WAR according to Fangraphs last year. Sips projects him in 2022 to have a 1.2 WAR, so very very slight regression. I mean, what do you make of the whole Will Myers situation? Because he's only got one year left on his contract, 20 million dollars. Should the Padres just ride it out with Myers in right field, trade him, and try and find an upgrade? Or what do you think? I think at this point, since the money really isn't that see the, the money isn't as bad as Hosmer easily. And he's not really, he he's played better than Hosmer too. Yes. So that kind of puts him behind in the, in the kind of the, the problem pecking order. It's like when you have crippling back play black, bleh, crippling back pain 
and your knee starts hurting. Well, your back still hurts more than your knee. This is this is kind of what being in the 40s is like, I've discovered. So you don't really worry about the knee pain because the back pain has you much more worried. Uh, Hosmer has, you know, he's not been great. He he was, you know, really solid in 2020, uh, but he's still at least a one-win player. And Hosmer really isn't. So given that he's less of a problem and I can't see the Padres finding a left field a left fielder, a right fielder, and a first baseman in however long we have in uh, offseason part two. Uh, I think you probably just ride it out. Yeah. Unless the Royals. See, in in my imagination, I I imagine just giving all these players to the Royals because they are (laughs) ex-Royals. (laughs) <laughs> there you go they could package myers and hosmer together i think you're the first yeah well, i think a lot of people forget that myers was drafted as a catcher by the royals yeah, yeah my, my my favorite positional thing is that danny tartable was a shortstop in the minors jeez uh, really yeah it's kevin mitchell you. played shortstop too yeah they, they had it, it, i i it, it is kind of weird like who who was at what position yeah. uh their 18-year-old uh, bodies were definitely different than their 30, 35-year-old bodies. Yeah, and maybe this time, if if the Padres did trade Will Myers, maybe this time the best team in the Will Myers trade is the team that's not even involved in the main trade, like the last time. That yeah. that always got a portion of, of the Padres fans mad at me because I would notice that it was always funny that in the Nationals, in, in, in the Will Myers trade, somehow a team not involved got the yeah. best return. I know. And and what kills me is the hated team up the five freeway goes out and acquires Trey Turner and is rumored to possibly signing be signing him long term. So he's going to be ridiculing the Padre fans and, and the Padres for a long time. And it's uh, it, it is what it is, but it's really, you know, it was, you know, it was even better because the Dodgers got Trey Turner in 2021. They also employed Steve Souza in 2021. They wow. that if they had acquired Joe Ross during the season, that would have been like the, like a big middle figure. Like we got every we got yeah. everybody in that trade. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And what do you have? <laughs> a remorse. <laughs> uh, it, you know, uh it's 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 a tough life being a pottery fan, that is for sure. Um <clears throat> the, the franchise not so tough because the uniforms are correct now. Yes, they are correct. We are we're 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 trending upward. So it, it's 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 I think we've actually hit rock bottom already and we're just moving on up. But um let's talk about the fact that the Padres have some money to spend, are possibly looking at a corner outfield uh, position, and there's a lot of uh, valuable players out there. Um, what is Zips' free agent numbers on, on on someone like Chris Bryant, Castellanos, Conforto, uh, Cruz? A- anybody that kind of stands out in your mind as a possible good fit for the Padres? Well, there are a lot of guys kind of in that two-war zone, and those players do improve the team. Uh, I think at either outfield position, uh, two wins is is an upgrade, uh, and, you know, it also improves depth. Uh, if suddenly Will Myers is, is the fourth outfield option, your team looks a lot better because Will Myers as an injury replacement isn't half bad at all. I think Suzuki yes. is probably uh, the most interesting outfielder available in free agency unless unless the Padres do something like super out of the box and crazy like like sign Carlos Correa and put Tatis in center and move Grisham to a corner 
don't give uh, that kind of AJ any ideas. <laughs> I mean, you, the Padres are creative about those kinds of things. So they short are. of something like that, uh, Suzuki is the most interesting remaining. Uh, the one of the problems with with free agency this year is they really it really wasn't a great fit for some of the things the Padres needed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, they could have, you know, they could have signed Kevin Gosman, uh, but, you know, it's, it's not the imperative for the team to add pitching. Now, of yeah. course, probably the, the moonshot uh, idea would be to try to land Freddie Freeman. Yes. Put him at first. That would be cool. I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, I think, you know, someone who's less risky, like, you know, Kyle Schwarber, I mean, not less risky than Freeman, but less risky than, say, picking up just some random uh, guy for a long, long term contract. Yeah, uh, I, I think Kyle Schwarber will be more reasonably priced than, say, Castellanos is. Uh, there are options. It's just not an incredibly deep uh, free agent crop this year for first base or corner outfield. No, it'll be interesting to see what the Padres do. Obviously, they're going to make some moves. Uh, AJ Preller is definitely known for that, um, and he also also known for his creativity, like you like you mentioned. Starling uh, Marte would have been fun. Yeah, but again, that's someone that the Padres could have obtained a couple of times. I, I, I saw the fan base talking about that, but it seemed like it was someone that that Preller didn't like or or, or didn't have any interest in because they, they could have acquired him from the Pirates or or from Miami. Uh, it, for for a decent prospect uh, price and, and that's something that the Padres definitely have depth in the prospect world. So, um, and I guess you, I guess in that vein you could also say if not Freeman, uh, maybe Matt Olson with an extension would be a yeah. possible trade. But There's those a, are kind of the moonshot things, like yeah. the really high end things. But I think that if the opportunity came, the Padres might seize that kind of opportunity. Uh, I'm I'm sure that I can't say the I can't say directly, but I'm sure that there were it it did sting a little to kind of lose out on the trade deadline on a lot of players that they were going after, uh, especially Trey Turner. Uh, I think that or Max Scherzer, Trey Turner, you know, guys that the Dodgers got that yeah. the Padres could have used in the they it this was before the the season had become a disaster. For sure, July 29th is a dark day. <laughs> yeah. I think I think you guys probably want to forget most of August and September. <laughs> yeah, and, you know I don't know. As a Padre fan, you kind of get numb of the numb of things like this because you, you, I just think about you know dealing Gary Sheffield when in the when he's twenty three years old or whatever, and <laughs> things like that kind of just make me just kind of numb of these. I mean, I know they got. But here's the. Here's the thing. You got you got for, Padres fans got Fernando Tatis for James Shields. Yes. So, there so that makes it you can't yeah. that crosses off a trade that you can complain about later. That definitely, definitely, uh, definitely makes the fan base feel better. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, <clears throat> we really appreciate you coming on and, and, and discussing zips and, and other aspects of pop culture and stuff as well. Uh, although Dominic probably didn't, didn't appreciate the, uh, the theme song. Stuff. Just, just cause I don't know what you're talking about. Doesn't mean I can't appreciate it. It's well, like well, art. James, we can say, here we are face to face, yeah. a couple of silver spoons, <laughs> hoping to find we're two of a kind, making it go, making it grow together. We're going to find our way.
Oh man, I, you know I watched the pilot of that the other day. And it was it was just it was everything I always I remembered. And it, just, I, I I liked I always liked how Ricky Schroeder when he grew up and when he grew up and became an NYPD, he's like I'm Rick Schroeder now. <laughs> yeah, right. See how I derailed the 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 the, the goodbyes. <laughs> uh, Dan, we wouldn't expect it any other way. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, have a great day, and uh, my best to the kitties. Yeah, uh, wherever they are. I don't know where they are now. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Dan. Have a good one. That was our conversation with Dan Zaborski of Fangraphs. You can find the rest of the Zips projection article, all of the uh, the projections that he has at blogs.fangraphs.com slash 2022-Zips projections dash San Diego Padres. You can find that. Uh, maybe any questions that we didn't ask, you can find answered on that. There's also player projections. Uh, James, do you by chance know who uh, Fernando Tatis Jr.'s number one comp is? Oh, wow. A-Rod, maybe? I don't, I don't know. It is A-Rod, yes. Yeah, there you go. I can't and I'd assume, that's, I'd assume that's young, like Seattle and Texas A-Rod. Yeah, yeah, I, I would assume. Uh, we didn't really talk much comps with 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 Dan. That's that's always fun to, to talk. Um, I'm not really big on comps, but that that's always fun topic to hit uh, on with him. Uh, he's always such a great interview and always willing to to kind of be candid. Uh, interesting stuff he was giving us on Hosmer uh, and his belief on possibly keeping him on on the Padres and, and kind of using him as a bench player or or a, a bit player, if you will. Um, Give me your thoughts on that. I know Padre fans definitely don't like hearing that. No, I mean, no, no one wants that. Like, let's make that abundantly clear. Like, uh, it seems like he was one of the primary contributors to the clubhouse becoming completely unraveled in 2021. And he once again disappointed. He is 0.5 F war in four years. It's really three and a half because of the shortened 2020 season, but that was his only good year. So like, I mean, at this point, there's nothing Eric Hosmer can do to justify him being worth his contract unless he like comes out and wins MVP, which we all know is not going to happen. But it's not like he's a lost cause at this point because he previously was an all-star, previously was a gold glove, even though the analytics say that, that was he shouldn't have won gold glove. So if you get a lot of coaching staff to possibly like work with him, even though he said before in the past – he doesn't want to change his philosophy. Well, I mean, if the Padres sit him on the bench and say, all right, you're going to be miserable over there. Like, unless you come over here and make some changes with us. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Bob Melvin also like made a, uh, he made a comment. I forget what exactly he said, but like, you know, if you're, if you're not performing and if you're not going to be listening to us as the coaching staff, like we're not going to deal with you. Like you're, wow. you're going to be put in the doghouse. Like it, it seems like things are going to be run better under Bob Melvin, obviously he's got a tremendous track record, especially in the regular season as a manager and especially with teams exceeding expectations. So I, I do have some faith. I, I wrote the article in East Village Times yesterday saying that the Padres' best move might, might, might be to just hold on to him and see if they can fix him. Uh, but I, I think that Dan's right. I think that the Padres, it's better for the Padres to just hold on to him then trade him with some top-level prospect like Mackenzie Gore, Luis Campusano, and Cash to help pay for his contract. Yeah, I just don't think that's in the Padres' best interest. I don't. I, and, and, you know, I, I agree with you. Just It's tough. Attaching a lot of prospects to him 
and 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 potentially adding money to that just really is not appealing at all. Um, I, I don't know. It's it's tough. Do you think that Eric Hosmer uh, playing in a role playing situation will be a positive influence in the clubhouse? That's a, another determination that they're going to have to make. It's it's uh, AJ Preller has a lot on his hands, and we'll just have to wait and see what he does. AJ Preller is in a really tough spot. He put himself in this spot because. He, of course, signed Hosmer to this contract. He tried to make it, or he didn't keep the uh, the Hosmer trade rumors, which might have been leaked by other sides, but he, he was the one who was publicly trying to trade him, and all of a sudden that has decreased Hosmer's value in the trade market right now, and with the 10 and 5 rights that, of course, Hosmer gets if he remains on the Padres following the end of the season, he then has the uh, the ability to veto any trade. So... That's obviously not ideal for the Padres. And that also contributes to the fact that the Padres have zero leverage in this trade. If they can find a trade partner, I think that's fantastic. But if they don't, I also think there's a way to get Hosmer to be a one, maybe two war player this upcoming year. Yeah, it's it's it'll be an interesting situation. Uh and it's gonna be a, just an absolute feeding frenzy when, when everything opens up because there's just uh, 30 teams that are just ready to make moves that have already groundwork laid, have an outline laid for, on what they want to do. Um, Hosmer is definitely an interesting situation. Uh, in talking to Dan, we got a little bit of information on Dave Cameron. Uh, I had been asking Dan for a little bit, trying to get anything from him uh, in that regard. It's interesting that he mentioned that uh, it was Cameron that obviously wanted to leave the, the team. I think that's pretty much what everyone already knew. Um uh, just another troubling sign seeing someone so talented like that leave. Uh, David Longley just left a, a, a coach uh, in, in the, in the major league system, uh, interpreter, uh, the Sam Gainey situation. I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little troubled. I'm, I'm, I'm wondering why this team has so much turnover when it comes to coaches and upper level executives and, and players like that. That's, that's concerning to me. That doesn't exactly provide the stability that you want to see from the San Diego Padres as they're growing because they are growing. This is a, a, franchi- a franchise that was unsuccessful for 50 plus years. They're trending the right way. They're doing things the correct way. They're spending money. Um, they're putting their best foot forward, but signs like this are, are, are really troubling to me. Um, but I'm, I'm just a paranoid Padre fan. So maybe that's what it is. Yeah. It starts at the top. I mean, there's been reports of coaches not being able to like give their thoughts to AJ Preller, other guys in the front office, not being able to like portray their thoughts such as Dave Cameron to the San Diego Padres and AJ Preller. I mean, it all starts there. No one's going to deny the fact that Preller has done a good job assembling this team. They made it to the playoffs and they had a very good shot at making it last year. They're going to have a very good shot at making it again this year, but that doesn't mean that Preller can't improve. He needs to have more of an ability to just kind of stand back and say, all right, I'm not perfect. What are your thoughts on this? And I think if he does that, then the potters can really put themselves in a great position. Yeah. I mean, AJ Preller has done, I'll say he's done an excellent job building this farm system, building this franchise up to relevancy, uh, making them uh, a team that's that's known throughout all of baseball. You have to credit him for that. You the 
the, he has done an excellent job in that way, but he's also surrounded himself with talented individuals. Um, I think that you find that the more uh, of a baseball genius you are, the more uh, a master of your craft that you, that you are, you have trouble listening to other people around you. And I think that that's where he's at at this point. He needs to be a little more receptive of, of information. And, and obviously he's going to make the choice himself. This is his team. He runs the team. He's the head of, of, of it all, but, you do want to take in useful information and, and you want to kind of process it. And, and like I say, utilize the people that you surrounded yourself with. Um, and because if they're not utilized, they're going to leave and because they're feeling underappreciated and they're not, their talents are being wasted. If you will, the Senate Padre have a lot, uh, a long way to go, but there's definitely so many positives about this franchise uh, and, and, and so much excitement and, and it's led by Fernando Tatis Jr. And it's led by AJ Preller and, and now uh, Bob Melvin at the helm. Um, so fans just, you know, it, it's tough, but stay positive. Uh, hopefully we'll have some baseball soon. Right, Dominic. I mean, I'm literally praying because out here in Cronkite, I'm a part of the professional program here uh, and I will be in spring training clubhouses if, uh, if spring training happens. So, I mean, I like, I need this more than like just about anyone does. Uh, So, uh, you know, the two sides, they need to get over their, uh, their battles. There's obviously a very clear middle ground where they can meet. And I don't know what's taking them so long because they have every incentive to start the season online or on time in just over two months. Yeah, it's it's really mind boggling that they're not communicating uh, quicker with each other and, and having these uh, proposals. And then a couple of days later, another proposal. It's just it's frustrating. It, it is definitely frustrating. Um, great show today. Uh, it was great to be back. Uh, we are definitely going to be more regimented. We'll hopefully be back next week with another guest or another show, um, depending on what's going on in, in Major League Baseball and in and, and around the Padres. Uh, great show today with Dan Zimborski, uh, senior writer, fan graphs, uh, Zips creator and projector of the projection system. Um, always uh, an, a fun guest. Um, I think we're good to go, Dominic, if you want to take us out of here. Uh, again, folks, uh, thank you so much for the support. And uh, please visit the website uh, and support all of our uh, local teams. Yes, a uh, lot of great coverage for East Village Times right now. Aztecs, Loyal. Uh, what's the, what's the women's team? It's the wave, the wave, uh, we're, we're covering just about everything. So, uh, at EVT underscore news on Twitter and then eastvillagetimes.com and, uh, make sure to follow our guest Dan on Twitter at D Zimborski. Yes. I'm going to spell that out for you. D uh, it's at D S Z Y M B O R S K I on Twitter. Thank him once again for coming onto our podcast. You can find James and I on Twitter. You can find me at DM Stern 19. And then you can find James at EVT underscore J Clark to see our thoughts and whatnot on Twitter. Thank you all for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. This has been episode 150 of the Padres East Village Times podcast.